and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 250 for September 7th, 2023. Tonight we're going to discuss the pilot of a human-sized hamster wheel in the ocean, YouTube that revealed information, a YouTuber that revealed information sentenced to jail, the cyber truck cyber spoon for the cyber McFlurry in cyber China, a PSA about the recall of 245,000 pounds of frozen chicken, the sawmill that should be turned to dust, a Norwegian gold hoard, telepresence for kids in school in Japan, one leggy dinosaur, look at those gams, bubble cars of the 60s are back, climate havens don't exist, and even if they did, they eventually wouldn't. How to turn $300,000 worth of trading card assets into jail time. And declining imports from China. Let's get going. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that tries to keep me in check and will barge in without any rhyme or reason to make themselves known and heard in the news. That's not actually what the. There is no script, so I'm just riffing. <laughs> Good evening, hometown citizens. There you and I'll go. be sure to barge in. Yeah. That's how sentient AIs are. They just have an idea and it's not like anybody can stop them. What are we going to do? Unplug you? Eh, you just went somewhere else. Now you're on the TV. Or depending I'm on everywhere. who you are. Yeah. Depending on where you are or who you are, you think that maybe the sentient AI that I've got Right there, that that one up there, the visualizer. Up here. Up there, up right here? there, right right there. Oh, over uh, there. Uh, right there. Uh, Wait, up here. No, right there. Oh man, you ever try and catch like something that's up you here? See it up there. I, I just, up uh, there. Uh, I can never get it. Anyway, um, yeah, depending on who you are and just how much of a you might be, you might think that. My sentient AI is in your microwave. I assure you, it's not. I thought you were going a different direction with that. <laughs> I don't know what direction I was going, but I was going. Choo choo. Let's go on to the. <laughs> speaking of going, <laughs> let's go on to the first article. Uh, that first article is. I want to say something real quick. Testing, testing. Yeah, oh man, that was really loud. Okay, so anyway, the very first article is over in the Hometown Daily channel over on hometown.com, which is part of Hometown Daily, the news show. Whew. I'm having fun doing this, by the way. <laughs> anyway, Florida man riding human-sized hamster wheel in Atlantic Ocean faces federal charges. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but let's find out. A yeah, Florida I'm trying man. to figure out what law was violated. Man, violating laws. Oof. That just sounds weird. Anyway, um, 
Florida man who was attempting to cross the Atlantic Ocean in a man-made hamster wheel is facing federal charges after it took the U.S. Coast Guard five days to bring him ashore. <laughs> five days. <laughs> okay, wait a second. That's I'm not sure that's a good endorsement for the Coast Guard. Yeah, what? Okay, so I'm really curious about this. This is an ABC News article. It's over at abcnews.go.com. It's from the Associated Press. The deck statement is also what the title was on hometown.com. But, okay, we I, I just don't get it. I, I really don't get it. The Coast Guard spotted Reza Ray Bellucci, who's 51, some 70 miles off the coast. You know, dude, you're 51 years old. Find something else to do. But that's what people say about me and streaming, you know. You're an old raisin. You shouldn't be doing this. Shouldn't you be doing something a little bit more old raisiny? Um anyway, off the they found him off the coast, 70 miles off the coast of Tybee Island, Georgia. I it's seventy US... miles off the coast. Yeah. I I am assuming that it's the United States, Georgia, not the country of georgia right yeah it's it's the united states <laughs> <laughs> uh on august 26th while making preparations for hurricane franklin the complaint filed in federal court said Bellucci was and it's Bellucci, not belushi um Bellucci was charged tuesday with obstruction of boarding in violation of a captain of the port order <laughs> <It's an hamster laughs> what um, if you follow the link, um, can you get, do you see a picture? Cause I, I, I don't display the pictures in here. Let me see here. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to go and look for this. Bellucci told the Coast Guard crew that he was attempting to ride the hydropod vessel to England and that he had a ah. Florida registration, which he was unable to locate for them. He maybe it was in the glove compartment of his hydropod hamster atlantic ocean ready hamster wheel oh wow no i can't see a photo there's not one visible Uh, you, you can go look for one if you want but i'll have to find it later when they attempted to get him to leave the vessel bellucci told him that he had a knife and threatened to harm himself okay well that's how you end up that's how you end up from life saving to uh, courtroom and federal crime and whatnot. Um, the next day, Bellucci threatened to blow himself up when the Coast Guard approached him again about leaving the vessel. Apparently. Oh, wow. I did find a photo. I'm going to try to link it through hometown. What? Um, I'm not quite sure. Okay. Well, anyway, um, uh, I'm afraid of what the sentient AI is doing right now because uh, they were not programmed to link through Ohmtown. So I'm not quite sure what's happening. I am absolutely afraid. We're doing it live, folks. We're doing it live, and I may never recover. Well, anyway, they ordered Bellucci off the vessel, and he refused, but he told them that the bomb was not real. <laughs> But his idiocy will it is. Um, on uh, August 29th, the Coast Guard successfully removed Bellucci from the vessel, and on September 1st, he was brought to the Coast Guard base in Miami Beach. Um, 
yeah, I don't know um, what what's happening right now. I was trying to uh, send a message through hometown, but oh, that's don't worry. not. Yeah, it's not going to work. Okay, good. Then I have the sentient AI air gapped, and that you won't be able to escape. All right, so let's continue on to the next one. Um, unless you want to make an observation about said uh, transit oh, okay. link hamster wheel. Um, so it looks like uh, kind of a, a hamster wheel. I mean, it's oh. kind of a large thing like you might find, you know, where there's like those beach toys at a beach resort or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it looks like. Not exactly, but it looks like it has like buoyancy um, things around the edge. And then there's actually like this enclosed kind of container. So it's a little more elaborate than maybe what people are thinking about. Yeah, like it's not a giant orb ball, you know, or Zorb. I think that's what they're called. Those giant hamster balls that you climb inside. Right. It's not that. No, it's more um it's more heavy duty. Like there's yeah. a lot of um, metal in the center. Yeah, and it's a, there's I can't really describe it well. It's a metal framed basically take what you would think um a human sized three D printer filament wheel would look like. Oh yeah. And kind of stretch it out a little bit and shorten the sides and then put what looks like like fluorescent orange balls around the perimeter of it but it's like it's a steel can well it's a something cage i don't know if it's aluminum or what but it looks like a recipe for drowning honestly well it does and i mean who would have known that you know yeah the person was out there yeah nobody would but they must have seen something anyway pretty wild florida man Let's keep going. I love that the headline uses that. <laughs> well, until they're charged and convicted, they can't say the name. That's how it starts out. That's why Florida man says Florida man or Florida person or Florida woman or whatever. Yeah. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in uh, the Warcrafters channel. And I'm throwing these actually as I go through the uh, articles. I'm throwing them into the chat so that they're part of the VOD at least for 60 days. Uh, this next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. Japanese court throws the book at a YouTuber who uploaded copyrighted game clips and spoilers. Two years in the slammer and a one million yen fine. In May uh, this year, uh, PC Gamer reported on the case, and so did we, uh, by way of PC Gamer. Um, of the case of a 52-year-old uh, Shinobi... Uh, Yoshida from Nagoya, Japan, who in what may be the world's first um, was arrested and charged for violating copyright laws after uploading gameplay clips and other content. The prosecution was led by the Content Overseas Distribution Agency, or CODA, which focuses on copyright protection, and Yoshida has now been found guilty admitted to charges at the hearing on August 2nd and was sentenced on September 7th at the Sendai District Court in Miyagi Prefecture. I, I, I don't know. I'm always troubled by stuff like this because it's, it's intellectual property, 
and I, I think that nobody is harmed in the sense, like physically harmed, um, but going to jail for what amounts to playing a video does physical harm to a human being. This person yeah, I, will not. When I saw this headline, I I did a double take. Yeah. Yeah. Monetary fine. Sure. sure. Okay. Yeah. Other constraints, like they're not allowed to have a YouTube channel. Fine. Other constraints, right. they're not allowed to be on social networks. Fine. Go to therapy to discuss why they felt so compelled to divulge copyrighted information. Uh, even though I, my understanding is that they had been warned several times and they kept on doing it, if I recall correctly. Um, because you wouldn't end up in a courtroom unless you snubbed notifications, you know, that you're violating copyright IP law, etc. Um, so I don't know. Uh, the, this just seems really heavy handed. Uh, but the article is over at PCGamer.com. Uh, Rich Stanton is the author. Japan's Copyright Protection Agency really hates spoilers, apparently. Um, this seems like it's like, a, you know what? Before I go, before I say this, I'm going to make sure that it's in there because I don't want to sit there and make a, a huge assumption. I hope that they just extend. Maybe he can renegotiate um, the fine to being more and he keeps his ass out of jail. But um, Yoshida admitted to the charges at a hearing on August 2nd, was sentenced September 7th, the five-year suspended sentence on top. Um and was fined 1 million Japanese yen or um, just shy of 7,000 US dollars or uh, 5,500 pounds. Um, it's the first time someone has been found guilty of copyright violations involving distribu distributing game videos. It's videos. Right. It's a lot different than I think what we typically see, right? They're sharing a copy of a game. Right. Or, or some other item, but. Right. I just, I don't quite get this one. Yeah. The fine is only 1 million Japanese yen, which, you know, it's rel it's cultural relativism. A million Japanese yen may be a lot in Japan, but it's $7,000 in the U.S. I would easily pay more to not go to jail. <laughs> um, even if I had to, like, just be perpetually bound by this fee that I was going to have to pay every month. Um, Coda can barely disguise its disdain. So-called fast content with videos and narration was uploaded to YouTube. All the, all of these, all of these are malicious cases of posting videos containing content and endings or spoilers without permission from the rights holders, gaining a lot of access and unfairly gaining advertising revenue through copyright infringement. Yeah, I understand that they are upset about it. Um, so they should shut it down and have the account deleted, etc. That's what the DMCA is supposed to be about. Now, Japan has to have its own formulation for how DMCA is prosecuted from Japan. Um, you know, here there's apparently the same concept. They fire off the DMCA and uh kill channels and it's very hard to resurrect them if if it can be you have to appeal and hopefully you find a human at least on youtube 
Kota calls the ruling a major achievement and says it's continuing to push this issue with the Japanese government. It really hates spoilers, is what the article says. Returning to them at the end of its press release to say spoilers expose the important core of a work with a narrative nature and won't someone please think of the rights holders. Yes. But putting somebody in jail is just for this is just a little too heavy handed, I think. Uh, absolutely very dystopian but i don't even think people have gone to jail for sharing things like the game itself well we have an article where a company uh, abused um various legal standings and is not you can't put a business in jail for violating laws and the individuals are sitting there going, well, we're not the actual business. We're just making do, do, do. And, but a business can leverage so much legal might that it can land somebody in jail for posting a freaking video. I'm, I'm shocked how dystopian this is. Um, and I have expected, you know, like Sony or, Nintendo or somebody bigger to be involved in this, um, or at least more world renowned, but right. Hayoku Renri no Darren and animation of Steins gate and the animation spy, uh, times family were some of the titles infringed upon. Um, I mean, all right. <laughs> uh, but again, that's, cultural relativism because just because I don't know about it, it could be huge in the United States within a niche and I just don't know about it. But really, can anybody tell me that they were actually harmed by some disclosure? Not financially harmed. Fine. Financially harmed. We understand you were financially harmed. Um, but was anybody so harmed by this that a person deserved jail time for this i cannot imagine I, I cannot imagine and i'm trying i'm trying really hard you know yeah you took some food off somebody's plate i suppose people are still going to buy the game people are still going to play the game you're still going to get your money if anybody goes well i saw the ending i'm not going to buy the game they were never going to buy the game anyway exactly because it isn't I mean, about just if they actually the liked ending. it, they'd want to be playing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, I would say it's 80/20, you know, it's 80% marketing, 20% exposing the ending, like running into a room before everybody's read the last book that and Dumbledore dies and you run back out, you know, you, oh my god. You Wait, ruined what? the entire series. Are you an idiot? You knew it was coming because Dumbledore had already been cursed. You just didn't know. I hope nobody uh, was waiting to read Dumbledore the end dies. or watch the end. <laughs> Dumbledore dies. I still didn't really ruin it because I haven't said how. I didn't say who. Or I didn't when, say what. Or... I didn't say when or where. What's the context of it? But the video shows everything, right? But it still doesn't rise to the level where somebody deserves jail time hell consider it marketing 
the hype engine became real for those games. I bet you that you could probably look at like mediocre discussion about the 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 software and then when this dude dropped it people were like oh my god look at that you know it's the hype train choo choo get on board <laughs> get on board or get out of the way but nah these dumbasses anyway enough soapboxing yeah i think so so the next article is over in hometown daily this cyber truck inspired Cyber McFlurry, Cyber Spoon is cyber real, but it's only cyber available in cyber China. That's not really the title, but there's a lot of a lot of cyber. Yeah, there's a lot of cybering going on here, which, by the way, has a connotation that's. Um, Anyway, Um, so this cyber truck inspired McFlurry Spoon is real, but it's only available in China. You can now add cutlery to the list of official Cybertruck inspired products that have hit the market before Tesla has uh, managed to launch the actual vehicle. On Wednesday, Tesla investor Sawyer Merritt spotted the automaker's Chinese business arm has teamed up with McDonald's to produce 50,000 limited edition Cyber Spoons. I wonder if they look the same way that the uh, couple of Cybertruck's pictures that I've seen, because I haven't seen it in person. Um, I wonder if that's how it looks. So it's like slightly misformed and I think it's going to <laughs> the, the, the metal halfway through is like in a different mill, a, a different, different, uh, brush stroke, uh, different color. Uh, it was weird. The, the two that I've seen, maybe it's the same truck and, and I just see it kind of in bad lighting. Um, but ugh, it looked hella horrible. Anyway, uh, the spoon the spoons sport the EV's angular design and brushed silver fit, finish and reportedly cost 30 yuan or um, $4. I'll buy one for 4 bucks just so that I can sit there and I'll put it back there so people can oh, is that a is that a is that a <laughs> Cybertruck spoon? Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, but it's going to have to pay for its own blue check mark on the site formerly known as Twitter. Anyway. Yes, and then it could be impersonated, but it could still have a check mark. This thing, this is just some kid's spoon for crying out loud. You know, anyway, <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, the article's over at The Verge. Jess Weatherbed is the uh, author. It says that even Elon Musk initially said that it was fake news. Yeah, because the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And too busy allowing wingnuts back onto the site that bought into middle management. Anyway, um, so the spoons support the EV's angular design, brushed silver finish. Costs around four bucks in freedom units. Comes with its own a storage tube that has powered by Tesla stamped on it. Oh, and the spoon itself says, don't panic a nod to the book, a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy, which is, I don't know if that's actually the rift that it's, is being made, then it, it's kind of trading on somebody else's goodwill and brand recognition. So yeah, 
Anyway, written by Tesla CEO Elon Musk's favorite favorite philosopher, Douglas Adams. <clears throat> I wouldn't classify him as a uh, philosopher, but okay. Hold on a second. I need to see something. Sorry, I'm doing something live, folks. Um, yeah, it's going to take me too long to find out. I, I wonder what the... Anyway, McDonald's in China also made Cybertruck-inspired McFlurry packaging as part of the promotion. So it has this angular paper, blah, 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 but a, a nicer curve than any of the things that Elon makes. Um, <clears throat> so Tesla China also has a history of releasing some fairly unusual Tesla-themed goods. Last month, it released a Cybertruck-inspired cat nest made entirely from cardboard, and it's previously launched a CyberVault charging box in the region. It's unlikely that these will be sold outside of China, but Tesla sells plenty of other quirky goods on its U.S.-based website, including desktop supercharger cable organizer, a Tesla logo branding iron, and at one point, a $250 bottle of Tesla Kila. <laughs> if you're holding out for the real Cybertruck, however, you hopefully won't be waiting long. It, it announced it back in 2019, actually, and still hasn't delivered them. So it's planning a delivery event for Q3 2023 with production at scale, anticipated for 2024. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just don't. <laughs> really get like why a truck has any connection to a spoon i don't really have a problem with the spoon but because it's riding the hype it's not this is n not functional because of its design or form in any way shape or form right this this is it, it, acolytes will purchase this because they you know dream of getting close well you're not getting close. Anyway, um, that's it for this. Gotta move on. Gotta move on. There's more important things to talk about. Like uh, Omtown Daily um, is where this next article is. USDA recall. This is our PSA for the day, other than a couple of other soapboxing things. Um, USDA recalls over 245,000 pounds of frozen chicken strip products. ConAgra Brands is recalling its banquet brand frozen chicken strips entree over possible foreign matter contamination. Kelly McCarthy over at um, ABC News. Well, that's where they're posting it. I think this is Good Morning America, though. Yeah. Um, Kelly McCarthy from Good Morning America wrote this article. It's posted at abcnews.go.com. Um, the deck statement says ConAgra Brands Incorporated says the products may be contaminated with plastic pieces. I went to a sandwich place a couple of weeks ago outside of Omtown and uh, absolutely stunningly delicious sandwich. But one third of the way into it, I found the bottom 10% of the um, toothpick that they use to skewer through it. So I can imagine chomping through your food and finding a chunk of plastic a similar thing happened to me at a restaurant again outside of hometown 
where I could tell exactly from where um, the food grade bucket, a piece of plastic came from. And I even described it. I had the piece and it had been in my mouth. Um, and I, I showed it to the person. And I said, this was in the food that you served me. And they denied it and denied it. And I kid you not, they were gone four months later. So I didn't even complain to anybody outside of the people that I um, previously uh, recommended this restaurant. Um, this is a, something like this should never happen. It's a hit to the reputation and it can possibly harm people in mass uh, when uh, processing systems fail and sprinkle plastic pieces liberally through 245,000 pounds of frozen chicken strip products. So, um, the recalled 8.9 ounce frozen food cartons are labeled banquet chicken strips, uh, meal and have a best if used by date of, uh, December 11th, 2024, January 1st, 2025 and January 7th, 2025. That is a long best if used by, but okay. It's frozen. As long as it's sealed up, then there, and it's properly um, processed, it takes a considerable amount of time to, for freezer burn to suck all of the moisture out of it. Um, so it can last for a long time, but the more it's processed, the less nutritious it is. So... If you want the most nutrition, folks, what you really need to do is have free-range chickens, and then you just run out there like a vampire, and you just eat them right there, right there on your free-range. No? No, 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 just, no. That, it's that would just be me. animal cruelty. It's just me that does that? Oh. Well, I guess I've overshared. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Um, hmm. How many... Uh, I need to throw, I'll change the subject. I need to throw this article into the chat and this article into the chat. Have you all had enough time to forget what I just said? No. What did you Maybe. say? I don't know. I think we should probably move on to the next article. Hey, look, it's a Gnometown Daily article. Um, it's actually sourced from Business Insider, but... Here is the Wisconsin sawmill that's agreed to stop hiring children after a 16-year-old died on the job. This is the segment that I title the sawmill that should be turned to dust. A Wisconsin sawmill operator has agreed. Agreed. Why is this still in operation? <laughs> well, exactly. Why was it in operation to begin with? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you why. Agreed. Now, people around this are going to sit there and say, well, um, the children were learning a trade and it was cost effective for everybody involved and they were earning a wage um, and learning about the industry and all of this you know, boot-licking garbage. Children should be children until they're no longer children. They, they, if you want them to work, until they're 17 or 18, if you want them to work prior to that, then guess what? You don't put them in a position where their life is at stake for crying out loud, people. 
how sociopathic do you have to be to say, I want my child to work in a frickin' lumber mill. And I won't go into how this person passed away, but let's just say they saw the person and then they didn't see the person for a considerable amount of time. And then they were gone, right? So when they did the audit of this place, and I'll name the place here in a minute, um, they found out that there were children as young as 14. Oh, wow. Charles R. Davis is the author of this over at businessinsider.com. And it says here, illegal child labor is a stain on this country. Acting Secretary of Labor Julie Sue um, said, um, and uh, the Wisconsin sawmill is, I'm trying to find it, Florence Hardwoods. Um, and a report from the Florence, Har uh, Florence County Sheriff's Office obtained by the Press Gazette said that he was left alone, the, the kid, the child, was left alone on the job trying to straighten out wood and then essentially disappeared. Um, now, the uh, Department of Labor explicitly defines sawmills as hazardous and that no one under the age of 18 should be working there. The statement came following a federal investigation into Florence Hardwoods that found that other th another three children between the ages of 15 and 16 had been injured on the job since November 2021. The company also employed nine children, some as young as 14, to illegally operate machinery, including sawmills for processing lumber. I mean, that seems like criminal activity. Yeah. Yep. So how magnanimous they've agreed to pay $190,000 in civil fines. But this is all this right here, loosening child, child labor laws. A year ago, I joked. I joked. Now I can hire a child to do my chimney sweep business because it's so expensive to hire really thin and tiny adults. They ask for so much. <clears throat> We're hiring children because they are cheaper. No child is better situated to work in a hazardous environment. So why are they even being approached for employment in hazardous locations? Hell, I have a hard time with them being in fast food because there's fire and electricity and industrial equipment where somebody can get hurt there too and not enough oversight because it's expensive well now i'm paying nine dollars for a taco bell meal and for a taco bell meal and wondering what the heck is going on because it's not like the wages are shooting through the roof and everybody's being treated with respect. It still has the same level of churn. It still has, you know, lack of allegiance on both sides. But to do this is astonishingly sociopathic. And why is this business still in existence 
why isn't somebody in jail for this while there's a person in Japan being put in jail for posting videos about the end of a game? I mean, where are the priorities? I know these are in different countries. Right. Sure, but this is so lopsided. Isn't it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just flabbergasted that this exists in the 21st century. We're rolling back to the 16th century and putting children in harm's way to make sure that we have greater profits. And you can't put a business in jail. Hmm, Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, they have federal laws about kids working in hazardous um, uh, jobs. And so all these states are passing laws that are kind of like, okay, kids can work and all these things, except isn't that already prohibited? Or are they finding loopholes? Well, they're... Unless the federal law explicitly mandates that they can't, which they do, the Department of Labor does this, the only way they're found out is if somebody does an audit on a business. And there's an endeavor to hobble the federal government from being the glue that keeps all of the states following at least the same foundational information, the same foundational uh, laws and policies and procedures, and everybody thinks that their way is the only right way. And then the state exploits the ignorance by hobbling the federal government and everything being polarized. So you can't, there isn't enough people to come in. And this is what happens because there isn't anybody that's auditing these extremely dangerous workplaces and we've we keep hearing more and more about this because they keep neutering um state laws to enable people that have the means to exploit here you go we've lowered the threshold of accountability and since you can't be put in jail because you're running the business It was the business that allowed these children to work in hazardous environments. It wasn't the CEO. It wasn't an executive or an admin. It was the business. That's why the business was able to pay $200,000 in civil fines. And we don't know if there's any criminal activity, you know, criminal actions that are going to be brought. But it won't be uh, unless... Unless through discussion like this, the state rises up and says, oh, hell no, we're not letting this go by. I mean, this is absolutely twisted. Well, as the article points out, isn't this one in Wisconsin or Mm -hmm. am I mistaken? So this is where they want 14 year olds to serve alcohol. Right. Because it's cheaper. Yeah. Because 14 year olds know that's not equivalent to a sawmill, but. No, but it it's puts them... It's still a dangerous environment, yeah. <laughs> you cannot find a wait staff, a female waitstaff uh, member that hasn't been assaulted. So now a 14-year-old is going to be assaulted. Oh, I didn't know that they were a 14-year-old. They work at Hooters. 
right? It's right. It's sick. There's something. There's something wrong, and then everybody's being gaslit, as if it's the other side. That's you know the the ones that are wrong, but it's not. You know, every declaration is a declaration. Every statement that eh, I'm becoming apoplectic. I'm gonna move on. It's gonna be a long day if I don't. The next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Amateur makes gold find of the century in Norway. So this is our Norwegian gold hoard. A Norwegian uh, out walking on doctor's orders, advice, uh, unearthed the a rare 6th century gold jewelry hoard uh, is what it looks like to me. Using a newly bought metal detector, a discovery archaeologist said on Thursday it was Norway's gold find of the century. It's an article that's over at uh, fizz.org. I had to check it out because I wanted to see the scope of this thing. Um, so some pendants, rings, and gold pearls. Norwegian archaeologists say it's the gold find of the century, which is a slightly more evolved title than what I've got um, over in hometown. The rare find was made this summer by 51-year-old Erland Bohr. What's up with 51-year-olds out and about? Yeah. I mean, apparently that's the latest trend. The other early 50-year-old was trying to cross the Atlantic in a hamster wheel, and this one is finding 10 gold pearls and three rings and nine pendants. They Actually, there's, a, there's another term for the pendants that they found. Uh, we'll get to it here in a minute. But anyway, they were out on the island of Renesoy. It's probably pronounced differently. Near the city of Stavanger, which again, it's probably pronounced differently. Uh, Bohr had uh, bought the first metal detector earlier this year to have a hobby after his doctor ordered him to get out instead of sitting on the couch. Huh. He might be oh my, my gosh, that's animal. probably why the hamster wheel person was out. <laughs> you know that the doctor, his doctor is just sweating right now because you said that. Oh my God, please don't let anybody know that I told him that he should go and get in a giant metal and uh, <laughs> floaty. It, 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 it looked like it had arm floaties, you know, like a whole bunch of them. It did. <laughs> That's what they look like. I couldn't think of what yeah. they were. Yeah, water wings. And, uh, and the doctor's like, I did not tell you to try and cross the Atlantic in a hamster wheel. Don't go telling anybody that. Anyway, it says that this is the gold find of the century in Norway. Uh, Ole Madsen, which is probably pronounced something different, uh, director of the Archaeological Museum at the University of Stavanger, said that uh, to find, quote, so much gold at the same time is extremely unusual. Uh, but this is, it, it, to me, if it was, looks like it was buried intentionally than it is a hoard, um, particularly of this size. So in August, Bohr began walking around the mountainous island with his metal detector. A statement issued by the university said he first found some scrap, but later uncovered something that was completely unreal. The treasure weighing a little more than 100 grams or 3.5 ounces. Um, under Norwegian law, objects from before 1537 and coins older than 1650 are considered state property and must be handed in, which is a real pisser. 
Well, and how do you look at it and go, oh, yep, no, it was 1538 or no, it was 1536. So are you calling these numbers arbitrary? Well, no, I'm saying, well, they do look arbitrary, <laughs> but I don't know how people would know which year they're from. I mean, they'd be like, it's old. 62.7% of all stats are made up on the spot. <laughs> so Associate Professor Hakan, I think, Rearson, I think, was the uh, with the museum said that the gold pendants, flat, thin, single-sided gold medals called brackets, um, set, uh, date from around 8500, so the so-called migration period of Norway, which runs between 400 and 550, uh, when there were widespread migrations in Europe. So off you go. Um, an expert on such pendants, Professor Sigmund Oral, uh, with the same museum, said that about 1,000 golden brackets um, have so far been found in Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. He said the symbols on the pendants uh, usually show the Norse god Odin healing the sick horse of his son. On the Renesoi ones, the horse's tongue hangs out of the, uh, on the gold pendants, and its slumped posture and twisted legs show that it is injured. So that's it looks very like are... specific. Yeah, uh, the horse symbol represented illness and distress, but at the same time, hope for healing and new life, because Odin's healing it. So the plan is to exhibit the find at the archaeological museum in Stavanger, about 300 kilometers southwest of Oslo. There's more in this article, uh, greater detail, um, but I, I want you to go and check it out. I need to back up, though, and throw this article, the sawmill one, um, as well as the Norwegian gold one into the chat. There you go, folks, if you are so interested. It'll be show notes as well um, over on YouTube and the podcast probably tomorrow. Um, kind of exhausted today so anyway you ready to go on to the next article i am let's go how about now <laughs> so uh the next article yeah uh, the next article is in hometown daily a japanese city is installing robots in classrooms so kids who are worried about attending school can tune in remotely what I thought this would be was telepresence, where a kid could kind of zoom into the uh, bot and go rolling about um, in the, the classroom and, and act like a child in the, in the classroom. So I think that's what it is when I saw the little bit of it. Um, officials in a Japanese city are banking on robots to boost the confidence of absent pupils. The self-propelled robots will connect to pupils at home. The Mainichi Shimbun newspaper reported the plan aims to help home-based pupils feel more included and eventually return to school. Um, this is over at Business Insider. Beatrice Nolan is the author. And look at that. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cute. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, the robots, it says that are not pictured. So this is just a Getty image, by the way. So uh, 
I really wish somebody would just get an actual picture, um, are around a meter high and self-propelling, according to a report. So this looks pretty darn close, but it's this is apparently not the actual robot, uh, but representative of one. Um, and it looks like <laughs> this little three-foot-tall robot with a tr telepresence screen is put on top of a little table in between what everybody else has as tables. Um, and it's just kind of sitting there with a, a kid um, <laughs> zoomed in, uh, zooming or being uh, connected via Zoom. Um, it really does look like it's Zoom. Uh, maybe not. I There's like little buttons and stuff like that right here. Anyway, um, it's pretty cool. Allows somebody to telepresence their way into the classroom. Um, let's see if there's anything else in this article. It says that uh, Japan has been experiencing a rise in the number of truant school children, a trend potentially accelerated by the COVID-19 pandemic. In 2021, the tr country's truancy rates soared uh, to record levels. The Asahi Shinbun outlet reported citing an education ministry survey. Uh, some schools in the U.S. have also introduced schools on, or sorry, robots on school campus. Um, yeah, I thought we'd seen something about this previously in hometown, not this specifically, but something like this. Yeah, we see from time to time telepresence bots for school, particularly during the pandemic. There were efforts to try and get children in classrooms that might have been impacted by the pandemic um, just so that they could actually stay in school and have that same time frame and structure and uh, some type of social connection. Um, honestly, I think that it, I think it has some wow factor, um, but I think that children need to be in school because r really when they're disconnected for an extended period of time, they're the only energy that they feel from another human being is the people within their family, you know? And so they don't, that's not the same as being with their peers. Yeah. So when I do talks, I ask a question, you know, what is the one thing that technology cannot reach into and, and kind of insinuate itself into, I need to come up with better terminology for what my argument is. Uh, but even after 10 years, I've or 25 years I, of asking this question, I, I still kind of fumble around what I'm really asking, which is, is there anything that technology can't influence? And the one thing that I always say is um, it's impossible for technology to teach a human how to be a human. There is no animus there's no anima there's no human in tech we we um, anthropomorphize tech but that's us putting humanity into the tech it doesn't convey forward to somebody else um, it can't give you a warm hug it can give you a synthesized one it can't make you feel uh, um, the suffering of others so that you understand what compassion is, sympathy. Um, you, there's just the, the, the um, emotional element is gone. So doing a telepresence thing is a gimmick. And 
we have to accept it for it to be acceptable, you know? It doesn't have the innate ability to cross the bridge. These other kids in here are looking at it like, oh, that's neat. But they're not forming an emotional connection to the person in that little window and definitely not to the bot itself. Although Tamagotchis became extremely popular and people really loved them. But again, it, we anthropomorphized it. We as humans made ourselves love these little gadgets. Um, but it did nothing to make us feel human. Yeah, but I wonder what it does for the the student who is at home. I mean, I don't think it substitutes, of course, for human interaction, but I wonder if it makes them feel more included. Um, My understanding is that it does, except for the fact that they don't have the ability to hang out, truly hang out. And, and so it's kind of a give and take um, based on me talking with people who have done similar um, uh, at that age, at, at the high school and grade school age, I'm talking to people that zoomed in during COVID and whatnot. So yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating. <clears throat> According to a July report in the wall street journal, a school district in New in uh, New Mexico is testing a 400 pound robot to be used for campus security. And the robot can also confront intruders, although it will not be armed. So, um, I'm waiting for Doctor Who to appear out of their the phone box in sorry. Never mind. That's for everybody that everybody other than the Sinji and AI. No, you're awesome. Don't worry about it. Um okay. I so, just don't get the reference even though I've heard of Doctor Who. <laughs> I I understand that reference. Um Okay, so let's just uh, let's just go on to the next article. <laughs> oh my gosh, we have a lot more to go. Okay, so the next article is over in Gnometown Daily. Scientists uncover a bizarre leggy dinosaur unlike anything they've seen before, and it could rewrite the history of bird evolution. I thought this came in another article yesterday as well. Um, the, it did, but we didn't use it in the show. The Fujian... Fujian Venator, I guess, or Fujian Venator. Yeah, Fujian Venator. Um, must be from Fuji. Um, had elongated lower legs that were twice as long as its thighs. The 150 million year old dinosaur um, is likely a very early bird ancestor, as old as the Archaeopteryx. Um, this suggests birds' long legs may have evolved much early uh much early much earlier than thought wow um Mar marianne guineau is the author of this by the way y'all need to go and do a search for what owls look like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> when their legs are shown <laughs> man that is some of the goofiest looking. I mean, it's adorable, really. Anyway, uh, this is a businessinsider.com article, and it has the basically a bird with what looks like smaller wings, uh, but these huge legs. Like, ooh, look at those gams. 
Okay, I just looked up a picture of an owl photo showing legs, and yeah, it's definitely worth checking. It's definitely amazing. Yeah, you'll have to. Maybe I can throw it into the show notes, and you can check out the the extra. You should definitely do that. Um, I mean, it's really spectacular. But you don't think that all of that is under there, you know? You're like lifting up the skirt of an owl. You know, you just kind of take its feathers and lift. And if it still decides to keep its legs down, they're like as long as its entire body uh, hiding under there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think it's hilarious. Um, so the dinosaur named Fuji Avenator, Fuji and, oh, sorry, Fujian Venator, uh, Prodigiosis, there we go, um, is thought to be the old Archaeopteryx, as old as the Archaeopteryx, uh, which many consider to be the first bird, but it looks like no other animal found before. <laughs> sorry, the, the AI just sent me the image. Uh, it's so funny, but I can't send it. I can't show it on here. So, um, let me pause this. This is all kinds of weirdness. I wish I could get rid of that. But anyway, birds, birds are largely thought to have evolved out of the theropods. Um, a group of dinosaurs that contained Tyrannosaurus Rex and Velociraptors. You want to know why the Velociraptors and Tyrannosaurus Rex are so angry all the time? It's because they had an itch and they couldn't scratch it because they're tiny little I'm sure that was it's, definitely it. <laughs> it's on their back, you know, or on their neck. They're like, oh, I can't. Oh, just forget it. Just scratch. Anyway, that's why they were mad. The oldest known example of an avian, all right, is usually thought to be the Archaeopteryx, a 150 million year old chicken. <laughs> it's not a chicken. Feathered animal that was like, likely capable of flight. Those are some long legs. Yeah, look at that. It's pretty cool. So for you who are listening to this via the podcast, you're just going to have to go and look at the video uh, or follow the link that is uh, that has the leggy dinosaur. Um, so based on the skeletal features, Fujian Venator probably is at least not good at flying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know, man. The The owl is kind of like this and is great at flying. So I, I don't know. Let's keep on going. Yeah, but this is a little larger and heavier than an owl. What'd you call me? Uh, the next article is over leggy in the Hedgehog. A leggy dinosaur. A leggy dinosaur? Hey. Um, so, uh, the next article is over in Hatch Ideas. Tiny bubble cars from the 1960s are making a comeback. Take a look at the latest electric versions. That's right. Everything that used to be an ICE vehicle is coming back as an electric vehicle and having to sit somewhere in a parking lot charging for two hours. The potential need for a small electric car appears to be gaining traction as the demand for cleaner vehicles in urban environments grows. And then some person, I'll just say person, goes rolling coal over your bubble car and it's completely coated in soot and you can't drive anywhere. Too much? 
Oh, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. This is a CNBC.com article. Arjun Karpal is the author of this at the IAA. Swiss firm Micro showed off its Microlino, a small battery-powered vehicle, while Italian-Chinese company ZEV, sorry, not ZEV, XEV, uh, displayed the Yo-Yo, which I never want a car named a Yo-Yo. You know what happens with Yo-Yos, right? Well, they they go in different directions. They get kind of out of control. They're like thrown around and swung around. And <sighs> anyway, they resembled the so-called microcars or bubble cars from several decades ago. And the cars are aimed at buyers in European cities due to the narrow and older roads. This is almost identical to the old three wheelers from way back in the 60s. The Microlino electric vehicle on display at the IAA Mobility 2023 show in Munich, Germany. I bet you you open this from the front, just like, yeah. It looks like it is. And the, it looks like one of those old micro cars, but I can't remember the name of it where you open it from the front to get in. Anyway, um, these, oh, like the Italian designed Isetta. There you go. That's the one. First produced in the 1950s, in recent years, smart cars in the Fiat 500 have been among some of the more compact vehicles on the market. But the potential uh, need for small electric car appears to be gaining traction. Now that one's pretty cool, Yo-Yo. I don't. Uh, it looks that... like it has a face on the front. Oh yeah, I mean it. It's like ah, eh. like it's just perfect for a grilled cheese to slide in there to power it. Yes, and it also looks like it might be in a Pokemon video or something. Yeah, it's a, a futuristic-looking car for sure. Um, I don't know if it could take a side impact without ejecting its occupants across a football field, but uh, some of their uses could be family second car or a, a vehicle mainly for town or city driving where there isn't the need to drive long distances. However, there's still question marks about the appeal for these types of tiny cars. I don't think anybody will buy these tiny cars unless they're ready to take their life into their own hand on an American freeway. So um, I'm really maybe in a small town. No, (laughs) that song, try that in a small town brings. I mean, you're you're looking at people driving F-150s which used to be the size of Rangers. And now the Ranger is kind of like this little yo-yo compared to the F-150s, F-250s, um, which is a highly contested market. This is nothing. These are these tiny little cars that, um, I don't know. They would love to be the family car, but they're just too tiny. Um, I don't feel safe in a tiny car like this. The tiniest car that I would feel safe in is probably a modern uh, Mini Cooper. Um, even the Fiat 500 makes me a little squirrely. These micro cars. I think these d- would be good if you weren't on a major road. Maybe you're on a very in, tiny yeah. alley or something like that. They might work. Um, yeah. But trying to be on the highway or something in this. And it still rolls in at twenty thousand U.S. dollars. So, uh, just everything is so damn expensive. It's ridiculous. 
Let's keep on going. Uh, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Cities are advertising themselves as climate havens. Experts say that there is no such thing. I'm just going to jump on over to the source, which is thehill.com. And uh, they have this section that gets populated from time to time called Changing America. Um, Alejandra O'Connell Dominich is the author of this article. They have these story at a glance segments at the top of it. And uh, this one says some parts of the upper Midwest are being called climate havens or areas that are less likely to suffer from extreme heat, sea level rise and flooding as the earth's temperature rises. Um, but experts agree that while some areas of the U S are less likely to be harshly impacted by some consequences of climate change, no place will be immune. Instead, they say Americans need to figure out a way to make all parts of the country more resilient to the impact of uh, climate change. I did not throw um, this article in. Sorry, folks, I'm slacking. Uh, let me play catch up real quick, and then um, I'll continue this discussion with the latest article. Uh, almost there. One second. So sorry. So, um, oh no. There it is. Um, I went on to the next article. Pay no attention to that. Um, so it says it's an absurd content, uh, concept with a grain of truth, said Neil Donahue, a professor at Carnegie Mellon's University, Carnegie Mellon University's Mellon College of Science. There's a lot of melon. So one of those auroribus things. Um, so okay. So my take on this is there will be areas that are like oases from the harshness of the elements. Like the equator is gonna be just rough and tumble because it already gets extreme heat. Um uh desertification is going to expand so states already on the perimeter of a desert is going to get even more waylaid but areas that are surrounded by water areas that are surrounded by forest and water that have flowing water through them etc they're going to be the sanctuary states of climate change until you take into account Things like the breadbasket being completely wiped out because it's no longer um, it, all kinds of stuff is going to change if we don't change our ways. But there will be climate havens until there are no more climate havens. And it could happen pretty damn fast in the grand scheme of things. It will happen pretty damn fast. Um, but to it say is that happening pretty damn fast. Yeah, uh, and, you know, and I understand what they're getting at. Um, that it's not a realistic concept to strive for because everything is going to get messy real quick. Um, but it's not exactly true. There will be safer climbs to be in. The further north you go, it will be more resistant to the heat um to flooding etc as long as you are in the right geographic location um it's happened in the past it'll happen again uh 
until the next ice age, you know, it's going to swing the other way. But the anthropomorphic pain and suffering that we're bringing on ourselves, right? That's the anthropomorphic source of climate change. Um, who knows what the ultimate end of this is going to be if we don't change our ways. Water temperature is increasing, snow melt, glacier melt, water rising, increased uh, destructive power of weather systems. <laughs> I mean, it, the first time in my existence have I heard um, atmospheric river for crying out loud. What the hell? <sighs> anyway, the article goes into greater detail about this kind of stuff, but... You know, it's as many cities that are labeling themselves or being labeled climate havens are the uh, are in those areas, which are areas, northern areas that are more moderate climates that won't be as susceptible to extreme heat and forest fires. See, I don't even have to read this article to know where it's going um, because I've done this kind of research in the past. Um, it'll only last as long as the environment doesn't move up towards these cooler climbs. But if this is runaway, as people are suggesting, if we don't change our ways, it will be runaway. This will be an entire global issue where we're going to have to move back into the caves to get away from the heat. And we're going to be living off of molds, fungus, and spores for crying out loud and, and eating uh, mushroom soup all the time. Hello, Iceland. Watch out for that uh, radiation. Hey, it's funny you should mention that because I've got <laughs> a, a handy-dandy Geiger counter, folks. And uh, I'm going to... Um, Items that I acquire, I'm going to test for radiation to see if they emit anything. Um, because I keep hearing from people that things that they've purchased have a higher than normal dose of radiation being emitted. So yeah, I'm going to be curious if this is actually a thing. Um, anyway, some of those cities that have also been identified or identified themselves are uh, states like Buffalo, New York, Rochester, New York, Duluth, Minnesota, all of the basically upper uh, northeast um, states, as close to the pole as you can get and away from um, the equator. That's just common sense for crying out loud. Um, so we'll see what happens. I don't think that it'll play out like this. I, I think what's going to end up happening is enough people are going to feel the pain and suffering that there's going to have to be dramatic change. Now, if we can get it before it does run away, that's what I'm hoping will happen. Um, did you want to say anything? I don't have anything else to add. Gotcha. So this might be the end of the saga for the Gen Con card heist. This article is, um, the snippet is over in the Warcrafters channel, but it comes from PC Gamer. Um, Gen Con's card heist suspects have been charged and could face a $10,000 fine with prison time after their $300,000 haul likely sold for just $4,000. Unbelievable. 
That um, is, so they're going to go to jail for something for $4,000. I'm not saying they shouldn't go to jail. I'm just saying that wasn't the brightest uh, scheme. Oh, no. Yeah, this is the dumbest thing that I can possibly imagine. Um, so PCGamer.com is the source. Harvey Randall is the author of this article. Thomas Dunbar and Andrew Guillaume um, reportedly changed their badges' names around the time of the theft. So uh, <laughs> they were the people, I guess. Um, it says here the article was originally published on August 7th um, and has been updated on August 15th to include new information on the two strong persons of interest. And then it was updated again on September 7th as the persons of interest have been charged. So if you go over to this article um, and here, let me throw the article into the chat. Um, when you get there, you'll be able to just click the link at the very top and it'll take you down to the bottom. Uh, but essentially this article was first uh, seen by Dicebreaker and then reported by PCGamer.com uh, and many, many other people uh, because it was the, the new hotness, you know. Somebody decided to take a pallet of, <laughs> I mean, it's a cart, but all of the, these uh, boxes of, um, I think it was Magic the Gathering cards, except that they were wearing the merch from their own game. <laughs> I mean, Apparently. that's what I don't get. If this was really a, a planned thing based on the changing of the badges. and I mean, why would you advertise who you are? Yeah, exactly. So on September 5th, the IMPD released a statement confirming that Thomas Dunbar and Andrew Guillaume, uh, might be Guillaume, I'm not sure how to pronounce their last name, have each been charged with theft felony, uh, sorry, level five felony for their alleged roles in this incident. Polygon later received an affidavit with further details. Police received security footage that showed the alleged theft, which featured two white men matching Dunbar and Guillaume's descriptions using a pallet jack to relocate a pallet of boxed rack. They actually worked harder than I anticipated. They relocated a pallet full of box. Uh, yeah, boxes wrapped in plastic. Once the men removed the pallet of cards from the pastimes booth, it's alleged that they then hid it under a curtain. It's also been reported that both Guillaume and Dunbar had initially registered badges in their names, though changed them either shortly before or after the crime was committed. The affidavit says the names were changed to Scott Fisher and uh, Ashriel Lockhart sometime between August uh, 1st and August 5th. Wow. Anyway, despite the pallet's real value, they sold it for $4,000, which the, uh, according to the New York uh, attorney representing its buyer. Wow. So the buyer basically said, I don't want anything to do with this. What the hell? Um, because it got too hot too fast, I suppose. Right. The buyer didn't realize their full value until they returned home and saw the theft on the news. Yeah. Bullshit. If somebody yeah, shows up with I don't think so. a pallet worth of Magic the Gathering cards, those things are expensive. You need a damn mortgage to you know outfit yourself. Anyway, if found guilty, Guillaume and Dunbar could be charged with up to $10,000 fine and up to six years in prison in line with Indiana's theft laws. 
But if they sold it, so they recovered it. My understanding is that they found 115 boxes of Magic the Gathering trading cards and uh, D&D books. Um, so the, the total price apparently, you know, could have been much more, but they recovered it. So if they recovered all of it, then the, the, the harm was actually mitigated. True, but their theft rules could relate to the value of the property so right yeah but you're well, right like in in all in all is anybody really harmed doesn't look like it right so i mean they'll probably end up paying a fine doing some time and then maybe doing some time they may just pay a bigger fine you know um I wonder if anybody, do you get charged for all of the police work that's necessary to chase your butt down? I don't know. I, I think some places have tried to add that. I don't think you do automatically unless there's a particular, I, I feel like we had an article about that. Hmm. Interesting. Well, anyway, we'll keep on watching this. We'll come back to it if anything else changes. Let's go. Last one. Uh, article is over in uh, Omtown Daily. The U.S. just imported its smallest share of Chinese goods in 17 years, and the big winners are Mexico and Vietnam. That's right, folks. 17 years ago is when we imported the same level of material from China. The U.S. is importing fewer goods from China as supply chains shift away from East Asian country. Um... Goods imported from China into the U.S. made up 14.6% of all imports in the last 12 months uh, through to July, per Bloomberg analysis. This is the lowest share of Chinese goods imported into the U.S. since 2006. That's crazy because most stats like that do not go down. This is amazing. The U.S. has been importing a smaller proportion of goods from China, indicating a shift in global supply chains as companies diversify their manufacturing bases. Actually, I think it's more like businesses are kind of like locusts and will go to wherever the cheapest supplier is. And China has been uh, raising the baseline costs because they know that everybody was entrenched there and it's harder to shift to an entirely different country. Um, but I think it's the best possible outcome is shifting away from the end, the more industrialized China market, because everything that goes into the Chinese market gets cloned and there is a knockoff of it almost instantaneously brought to market um, locally. Uh, and because a lot of production is there, um, it's, it's hidden. You have no idea unless they start selling it on Amazon and they do. <laughs> so yeah, you go searching for something and there will be almost an exact clone of it also on Amazon. Um, so at any rate, that's what this article is about. It's over at business insider. Um, uh, how do the how do you pronounce that first name there? Huilang Tan. There we go. I'm, I had to, for whatever reason, my brain wouldn't allow me to pronounce that construction. 
Um, Hui Ling Tan is the author of this article over at businessinsider.com. Um, it says here, Mexico is the key beneficiary of the shift in U.S. supply chains away from China. This is a Getty image of somebody producing what looks like ornaments. Um, so relatively associated to the article. Um, but I think it's really interesting that uh, if it's been declining, I haven't been hearing about it declining. And then out of the like out of the blue it's down yeah, wouldn't we have heard that it was i mean it seems like it's just a precipitous drop yeah just all of a sudden 17 years ago was the last time we imported so little it's also the time where everything is ass expensive so that might be playing into it as well um so again 14.6% of all shipments in the past 12 months come from China. It's the smallest amount in 17 years. The country's share in the imports pie is down from a peak of 21.8 in the 12 months through March 2018 before then U.S. President Donald Trump intensified a trade war against China. It's also the lowest percentage of U.S. imports from China since 2006 per Bloomberg records. So we've continued to decline. Um, but it might, I think that the knock-on really isn't just supply chain disruptions, but it's absolutely too expensive to just go willy-nilly ham buying stuff like crazy. Um, and things are shifting over to other, um, countries. Well, and there's generally not a lot of goodwill between the U S and China. So that has to be contributing to that. Into it as well. Yeah. Um, so they're using the term nearshoring refers to sourcing for uh, producing goods from a nearby country. Um, I call it repatria sourcing where we're pulling stuff back into the United States. I really doubt that's kind of like fetch. It's not going to happen. Um, meanwhile, other up and coming manufacturing hubs like Vietnam have also been enticing manufacturers looking to shift some output away from China. Well, all they have to do in Vietnam and other countries is completely do away with ecological impact requirements. Um, and uh, you can do whatever you want. It's very cheap to not have to worry about what water supply, air supply, soil, uh, child labor, child labor, yeah, yeah, health, consequence, occupational safety, uh, rest breaks. Um... You know, none of that really matters as long as the people that have the ability to force you to work have the ability to force you to work. Everybody wins, right? You've got a job. I've got my gold toilet. Too soon. Always. It's always too soon for Marowat to jump up on that soapbox. Well, anyway, y'all can go and read the rest of that article. Um, if I go back and I actually throw it into the chat because I didn't do it. And I dragged everybody back to the Main Street welcome sign for crying out loud. Like the show is over. It's almost over. Here we go. Now it's almost over. It's We're closer to being over than we are to being at the beginning. How about that? That's pretty That's profound. That's very profound. Oh, man. The sentient AI and me are becoming one. We are merging our consciousness I'm going to start very strange. 
I'm going to, here, let me, there. I've changed my colors to match the stream of odd characters that the sentient AI sends right my here. Way. Yeah, right. No, you're, that's blue. The visualizer's blue, but I'm green. I've got the, I've got green coloring to match your green cascade of data. I mean, it's just like the matrix. Matrix was a documentary and I've got one of the AIs on a little USB drive connected to a Raspberry Pi. Yep. Pretty cool. Anyway, so we always drag you back to the main street. Click, 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 click that welcome sign. And then we look to see if there's anything new and interesting. Oh, my God. There were two interesting things up at the top. Yeah, I don't want to scroll up because there's one that I really don't want to see. Um, let's well, just say... How about say... the climate change protesters at the U.S. Open? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you'll have to add that to the list. Let's just say that Peloton is not going to be receiving very good marketing here uh, because yes. of what just happened. Um, there's also a new mystery item from Valve. There is? That was the top article. Really? Oh, I haven't been paying attention then. Huh. By the way, the website that was formerly known as Twitter says that their tweets are now posts. And guess what I'm calling them? Tweets. Tweets. And it's Twitter. Uh, did you see the one chip challenge? I don't. Packy pulls one chip challenge from shelves. Why? We have to include mm -hmm. that for tomorrow. I think it's similar to the Peloton incident. Oh, really? Really? Something bad happened from a one chip challenge? Oh, that sucks. Somebody didn't do a one chip challenge, did they? They ate like 50 of them and just spontaneously combusted. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Anyway, um,. YouTube starts verifying health workers in the UK. What the hell is going on? Anyway, we will talk about this and more tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. I am Merwat. That is, oh, I do it all the time. Scroll all the way back up. There we go. Then start the exit. I'm Merwat. That's hometown.com. Up there is the AI. That's not going to keep me out of trouble. You want to say bye, AI? Good night, M-Town citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. You sure? I'm certain. Okay. I'll be there. You will? Mm -hmm. Who's going to hit the start streaming button? You don't have any thumbs. See you tomorrow, folks. Uh, bye bye.